Hello and welcome to Insights, the Cubs UCC podcast with me, Anthony MacDonald, Professor of Human Resource Management. Each week I find out some of the new and groundbreaking research and ideas from Cubs lecturers that are making an impact on society in Ireland and abroad. From business to Brexit, management to marketing, we're bringing you fresh perspectives and different ways of thinking here on the Insights podcast. And on this episode, we're focusing on sustainability in agriculture and food looking at how this vital industry in Ireland needs to adapt and change in light of climate change and external pressures. And joining me to answer some of these questions today are Olive McCarthy, Director of the Centre for Cooperative Studies in Cubs, Yvonne Cooney, Head of Sustainability at Ornua, and John Curran, Head of Sustainability for Musgrave. Yvonne, perhaps you can start by, can you outline some of the current challenges facing Irish agriculture when it comes to sustainability? So it's really, it's no secret that we're facing the greatest challenge, certainly of a generation, uh, that being that being climate change. At the same time, we have a growing world population. So currently in around 7 billion people, set to increase to about 10 billion people by 2050. So one of the big challenges we see is to feed this population when food production actually needs to increase quite significantly, somewhere between 50 to up to even 70%. Um, I suppose here in Ireland, we're a country of 5 million people and right now we're, we're feeding 50 million people, which is quite staggering. And I suppose all of this food production is accounted for within Ireland's contribution to global warming and climate change. Um, food production, it is required to feed people. And I suppose if it doesn't happen in Ireland, then it's going to happen somewhere else with more intensive food production system. But that said, we really do need need a global view at this point. Um, I suppose we're the most carbon efficient dairy system in the Northern Hemisphere. So we're we're well placed to play a role in meeting the global demand for, for sustainable and nutritious um, food. At the same time, though, agriculture, and this is a, a major challenge that we see, we've been tasked with reducing our emissions by between 10 to 15 percent uh, by 2030. So hugely ambitious. Um, and while the way we farm here is much more sustainable versus other countries around the world, as an industry, we do also need to hold ourselves accountable and responsible for reducing emissions and communicating action. Um, so this is a real challenge, uh, one we're working hard to address, but but absolutely a, a, a challenge uh, nonetheless. And I think as well, the targets that are set can sometimes be quite overwhelming for industry, which is a challenge. And we need targets to understand the scale of what needs to be done. Um, but I suppose that the figures shouldn't detract from some of the tangible actions that we can take right now. And I suppose it's only through working with other food producers, um, retailers, distributors and consumers coming together, playing the respective part. And we can hopefully hopefully ease the burden and make the challenges a little bit more, more manageable in, in the short to medium term. And your head of sustainability for Arnua, you maybe just talk me through what Arnua does and, and actually your own role as a head of sustainability. Yeah, absolutely. So Arnua is a dairy cooperative, so we would consider ourselves as the, the home of Irish dairy. Uh, we market and sell dairy products on behalf of our members, which are Ireland's dairy processors, so the different dairy co-ops that exist on, on our, in Ireland. Um, we're Ireland's largest exporter of Irish dairy products, so not many people know we export to about 110 countries worldwide. Uh, we have sales of about €2 billion Euros and a global team of 2,300 employees. We have 10 business units around the world, sales and marketing teams across all four corners of the globe so we're quite quite widespread and um, our business is broken into two divisions so we have a foods element to our business and an ingredients element 
Our ingredients business is responsible for the procurement of, of uh, and sale of dairy ingredients to food manufacturers, to food service industry. Um, but I suppose we're most well known for our consumer brands. Uh, we're the owner of the iconic Kerrygold brand, um, so Ireland's first billion euro food brand and, and most successful food. Food exports are something we're, we're probably most well known for and very proud of. Um, I suppose my role at Orinua is to head up the sustainability team. Um, we work out of our headquarters in Dublin City Centre. So there's three of us on the team in Dublin, so we're quite a, a small team. But we do have colleagues that work at each one of our production facilities and offices around the world um, who take responsibility responsibility for sustainability matters, you know, specific to them within their own market. Um, I suppose sustainability is a, such a hugely broad term. So as you can imagine, our remit is, is extremely wide. So um, myself and the team cover everything from our company's carbon footprint to sustainable packaging to corporate social responsibility. Um, a big part of my role is ensuring that we're aligned to the UN sustainable development goals, um, aligned to EU targets and government targets. Um, and I suppose, in short, our job is to protect and strengthen Ireland's hard-earned reputation as a global provider for the most sustainably produced dairy in, in the world. So, uh, yeah, huge, huge remit, but um, a newly established team as well for Inua, Um And it's kind of testament to the fact of how seriously we and other food producers are taking it now that we actually have in-house resources working on, on sustainability full time. I was wondering, again, maybe John actually too, in terms of like the notice that you know both head of sustainability and the newness of that, and you know, John, is your role is that is that similar to what you you hear from um, Yvonne? Um, you know, why has why has there been a need for head of sustainability, and is that a, how how new a departure is that for for Musgraves? Yeah, I I mean, I've been actually in my role almost seventeen years, so so sustainability is has been around a lot longer. Certainly, in a in a Musgrave context, than it than it than in many other businesses, um, yeah, Musgrave recognised very very early on that environment. I suppose when you look at look back at it, it was it was more from an environmental perspective. So so the 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 the, the pure environmental aspects of sustainability. But over the years, that's that's grown organically and evolved. Um, so I you know my my original role was 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 a pure environmental role, and it. it it became I've probably been head of sustainability for over ten years, but but certainly I've been managing the whole sustainability and environmental piece for almost seventeen years. But it 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 finds its way into every aspect of our business now. Uh, it's a board board table agenda item, um, so it's moved from being one where it was more a technical responsibility and and making sure that you know we dotted the i's and crossed the t's and uh, and complied with regulations, to being something that's now. Uh, top of the agenda for consumers, uh, particularly in the last couple of years, we've seen what we call the the blue planet effect. So consumers, you know, saw what was happening with things like ocean plastics, and that's really awoken people to the to the to the harm that's out there, the potential harm that's out there, and 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 people wanting to to bring about change. So people are shopping with sustainability in mind now. So it's, it's so it's it's important that we are ahead of the consumer in in, in every in every aspect. But I suppose, based in terms of your experience across industry, are you seeing this in terms of there's increasing heads of sustainability, increasing functions and organisations? That that idea of it, it's a board issue now. Absolutely, I think um, we we've seen a ramp up the agenda. Exactly what was John, John was saying. We see consumers, albeit in different markets, with sustainability being absolutely top of mind. 
And we see that now translating over into into sales, into, you know, the amount of um, queries and questionnaires we will get from consumers and customers. So naturally, that will make its way to you know, our executive team to to our chief executive and certainly onto the board. So it's ramped up the agenda pretty quickly. It's certainly certainly not new to Musgrave, certainly not new to Ornua, but in terms of moving up the agenda, it's moved up quite quite swiftly and, and quite seriously as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And maybe that dovetails in Olive maybe to, you know, your director of the Centre for Cooperative Studies in the business school and does an MSc in Cooperatives, Agri Food and Sustainable Development. Are we seeing this as a growing area amongst students and student demand and maybe the, the interest among students? Very much so, yes. And what's interesting is that what we're finding is that students are coming from a wide variety of disciplines at this point to the business school. So they might be coming from more science um, discipline and they want to learn more about the business of sustainability. And I think those are the kinds of graduates that are very much in demand, the ones who understand the science of it, but also understand the business end of it. And what's interesting is that um, there's less of a focus on protest. So as students get a little bit older, they get in at a postgraduate level, they're less interested in this idea of protesting and they're much more interested in the idea of solutions and finding solutions to some of the issues and the problems um, that are facing um, us right across the food supply chain in particular. So what we find is that uh, the students are quite interested in kind of the practical elements and how we can actually um, solve some of these problems. You know, they, they've learned all the theory, they know what the problems are, but how can they find solutions? And that's what we try to do in this it's MSE in cooperatives, agri-food and sustainable development, is keep it very practical. So we do look at some of the theory. We also try to look at some of the solutions that are out there. So companies like Ornu and Musgraves are very interesting to our students where they see, you know, genuine efforts being made to build sustainable um, approaches. And we bring our students out regularly on field trips to um, different, particularly agricultural settings where there's some very interesting initiatives taking place um, amongst groups of local farmers, um, many of which are being, um, I suppose, conducted through cooperatives. And it's the cooperative really that's helping to bring those farmers together and provide that kind of platform. So it should also be mentioned that UCC itself is kind of leading the way in terms of the sustainability agenda. Um, and there's great credit due to, to many people across UCC who are really committed to showing um, how UCC is, 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 I suppose, operating in terms of sustainability. And many people will have heard of, you know, the biodiversity um, efforts that are being made in terms of trying to, um, I suppose, increase habitats on the campus, beautiful campus that we have, but trying to increase the habitats for bees and bats and so on, and different kind of varieties of, of flowers and, and wild grass and things like that. Um, but there's also more student-led initiatives so there's some very interesting um, initiatives taking place around swap shops, for example. Um, and this year we set an assignment for our students to look at the, uh, the swap shop idea in UCC, which has been spearheaded by the international office. And the idea here is that, you know, international students who come to UCC maybe for three months, six months, they have to buy the duvets and the hair straighteners and the whatever else. They're not going to bring those back home with them. So their choice is to dump them or just leave them behind um, or dump them, as we say. Um, so the swap shop is is one of the really interesting initiatives that's helped students to reduce waste and to enable them to donate their their um, the things that they've needed and that other students would need and other students then can avail of, of those for free basically. So it just reduces waste um, and in our master's programme this year we set an assignment for the students to see how this might be kind of more student-led and become a cooperative whereby the, the students themselves would take ownership and control of this initiative. So there's lots of really interesting things happening in UCC and I think that's really attractive to the student body to see that, you know, we we 
walk the talk as well. It's not just about the theory that we are very focused on solutions. And again, there's two points come out of that for me in terms of our takeaways, I guess, is the first one, obviously the importance of individual action and it can't be, it's, it's them, it's ultimately individuals and no matter how small that behavioural change may be. The other one is obviously is, is the actual career piece and, you know, sustainability functions, master's programmes. Are we now actually getting to the stage where we're seeing this as actually there is career, there's a career path or career options among sustainability? Absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, and to, to your point, uh, I think the, the the going back to the first point there, which, which is around, you know, individual action. I'm a great believer that, you know, it starts with the individual. Um, you know, I talk about sometimes, you know, awareness, once you become aware of something, it gives you choices and, th and that choice is to make change. Um, and it's not sitting about waiting for businesses to, to, to take the lead on this. It's, it's, it's doing stuff as an individual. But I think your point around um, career paths is, is, is really valid. You know, I, I see now how different the world is from, say, when I first started in this role back 17 years ago. Um, you know, I, I remember being at, at meetings with people and they'd, they'd, I would be introduced as the head of sustainability and people would say, what's that? What's sustainability? I don't think there are too many people out there nowadays who don't understand, at least in basic terms, what, what's, what sustainability means. So without a doubt, I think as businesses become more interested in sustainability, um, as, as consumers demand businesses to become more sustainable, it will create that pull for, 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 you know, for students to, 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 to study it and, to, and, and for, for jobs to be created. So I, I do see it as a, a, as a, growing, a growing industry. Yeah, well, we, we really see it as well coming through some of our recruitment processes. So certainly in the last 18 months or two years, um, you know, our human resources team would, would come and they would say, you know, we've had X amount of candidates come in to interview for this role. And one of the questions they're asking is, well, what's our newest um, approach to sustainability? You know, what are you doing in the communities in which you operate? Um, you know, what's your overall approach? And, and really testing you to see how committed you are and if, and if you are, in fact, going to follow through. So um, it's it's amazing to see people asking that question. It really demonstrates that they, you know, they're interested in a role, but they're more interested in working a company who who's really taking it seriously. Uh, I think it's also consumer driven so um, consumers are now demanding they want to see that businesses are, are engaging in sustainable practice um, and in time I think we'll see consumers prepared to pay a premium for that in fact they're probably already doing that in some countries maybe not so much here but if they can see that a business is particularly making efforts to protect the environment or to in increase biodiversity on their farms or whatever else that if producers are doing that and companies are supporting that um, then consumers are prepared to pay a little bit more for that um, and are demanding it now and it's almost in a way many businesses have to do this and we're seeing so many large companies, small companies um, they're all engaging in the sustainability piece now um, so I think this is a hugely growing area in terms of career prospects. There, I think there's hardly you'll hardly find a business that doesn't have some element of sustainability to it um, and so I think there will be more and more jobs coming on stream in mm. this area. And I guess that's a real positive because it's back to, you know, we talk about, we'll come back to it again in terms of there's the business targets, but it's like when individuals from jobs are ultimately, you could say, putting almost also putting pressure on businesses. Actually, we as individuals want organizations to have the sustainability. It ultimately it's back to if producers, it is a kind of, a, for this to really take hold, it does require all parts of the system and the more parts of the system that ultimately come together, presumably the better the outcomes. 
And you do, and I mean, you know, what's most important to any business? It's their customers and their employees. And we, and you know, to, to echo Yvonne's point, we're getting it from 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 students now when they're when they're joining our business or when they're being interviewed under the graduate program. What attracted you to 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 our business? And they've all read our sustainability programs. They they understand what we're trying to do, and it it fits with their own values. I think, and and likewise, consumers. We've really, I think, consumers have really become aware of this, particularly in the last two years. And and we and we see it in the kinds of questions that are being asked on the shop floor in, in, in supermarkets, in, in, in correspondence. They want to understand people want to understand where their where their produce, where their food is coming from. It's it's no longer necessarily for everyone lowest price matters and, so, and I think you're right people are prepared to pay for something they still want value they, they, they still they still expect it to be competitively priced but I think people do recognise that you you know it's not necessarily a race to the bottom that if you're going if something is you know extremely cheap that there's something not right with it and and you know and if you can tell that story if you can if you can if you can give consumers that sense that you can trace things back to where they were produced and how they were produced it it does it does definitely um, it, you know it it, it drives sales mm. ultimately. And do we overall is this is this a gradual increase in interest and importance or are like or is back to you know if we think back to Greta Thunberg over the last twelve months do those people those kind of jolts almost do they have are they having a really big impact whether that's on our, our students is it because is that does they do they really have a positive impact or is this just that's just another you know more public face but actually we're on a gradual. I think we're path. on a gradual improvement path myself and I think people are just becoming more conscious. There is lots more attention and a lot more in the media about sustainability. Uh, but I think for many people, it's it's almost like a slow realisation that we have to do this. We just don't have a choice. And maybe there was some resistance for a number of years. Um, interestingly, I was on a visit more more recently to um, Bride, the Bride Project um, in Castle Lyons. Um, really interesting group of farmers there who... Um, just felt that, you know, because there are many of them are sustainable dairy farmers, not all of them are, sorry, not sustainable, I mean intensive dairy farmers, and not all of them are intensive dairy farmers, but they felt they just really wanted to do more in terms of protecting the environment on their own particular farms. And they've come together and um, engaged in a results-based project whereby they, um, you know, are working on biodiversity at farm level. And they're really starting to see the difference and really starting to see the value having engaged in a very particular scheme that's promoting biodiversity on their farms and what they're seeing now is that they feel there's a particular value to their product um, and in time they feel they should be able to you know charge a premium for that product and to be able to say to the consumer well actually you're by supporting our product on our farm you're actually supporting biodiversity directly you know on our farms so even the farmers themselves and the producers themselves are seeing the value of this. And I think that's, there has been a slow realisation. Um, but I think maybe that will pick up speed as we start to see the benefits of implementing some of these kind of solutions and kind of biodiversity plans and so on. And I guess, you know, a key part of your list, the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, how realistic are they? And I guess, um, what role do you think Ireland has to play in that? Well, I suppose we all have a role to play. I mean, it's not just one country or one individual. Um, and... You know, looking at, I suppose it's, they're very, I suppose, lofty. They have to be lofty. We're trying to end poverty, protect the planet. Um, but I think once we're moving towards those sustainable development goals, I think that's that's really important and aware of why we're doing that and how we need, what we need to do, I suppose, to get there. Um, even just looking at, say, for example, um, the goal around responsible um, consumption um, and production, again, it goes back to the consumer has a role to play, the producer has a role to play. Um, and um, I think... 
that realisation is starting to, to dawn on people and we're starting to see much more awareness, say, around plastic and the use of plastic and packaging and so on, the importance of recycling. All of this really is starting to come to play and I, I think it's becoming more and more realistic that we can meet these sustainable development goals because that awareness is there and we know how to do it. Uh, whereas before we mightn't, you know, we might have had ideals, but we mightn't have really known how to do it. I think that solution based kind of approach is, is really starting to work. Okay, and John, like, um, I suppose while we talk about maybe a, a gradual improvement and we there's lots of positivities around this, there's also, I, you regularly hear this attitude, where Ireland, what, the global players, the Russias, the China, the US are the biggest offenders, the biggest problems. What what would your view, I suppose, or what, how would you reply to that type of attitude? Yeah, I I, I, I hear that argument sometimes and, and in, an, in a way, you know, Every every country has to has to stand up for itself and has to do the right thing. I mean, we we pride ourselves as a as a modern democracy. We do things on the basis that it's the right thing to do. So we we protect human rights. We you know we protect employees. We protect the environment. We we do lots of different things, and it's 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 unhelpful to start looking at you know pointing the finger at, at what other countries are doing. That's for their citizens. We, what we need to do is show leadership. Um, that's what we are doing as a business. So it's you know we're we're in a in an extremely competitive and and difficult world in terms of retailing. It's 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 unbelievably competitive. We could sit back and say, look, we can't afford to do any of this. In the same way, that we we could say that Ireland can't afford to do any any of this. The reality is, you have to you have to live up to your own values, and and, and Ireland as a, as a as a modern country has to live up to its values and do the right thing. Let let Russia and let China look after what Russia and China has to do, but. But but in the end, at the end of the day, we need to be able to hold our heads up. We know what we have to do. We know the challenges that we have. And I think we're, you know, for all of the, the criticism that we, we give ourselves sometimes, Ireland is, is a good a good little country in terms of, of, of doing the right thing. And I think we've we've really embraced sustainability here. Um, it's interesting. I, I my, my job takes me to other parts of the world. And, and, you know, I talk to I talk to people in other countries and sometimes you find that what you what you think is really good in other countries or what stands out or, and, and things that we don't necessarily do here, sometimes a little bit artificial. You know, we're we're pretty good at finding out, well, what does this really mean for us as a as a as a country and, and then going about and doing it the right way. So I, I think that we need to set ourselves on a trajectory. We know what we have to do. Um we can't do it overnight. I think one of the challenges I see is that, you know, sustainability is growing in terms of an awareness, but what's really lacking is an understanding of what what it takes to become sustainable. So you have lots of consumers screaming about packaging or, or emissions or, or, or blaming the government or blaming business. But ultimately, it's it's a lot of the debate is is ill-informed. So I think we need to work on our better informing people, giving them the tools to do the things that they need to do for themselves, but then put ourselves on a path as a country as well to do the right thing. Like you mentioned about terms of you know, those people that are screaming a lot about certain things. Is there an issue um, that exists between what people are saying and what they're actually doing on an individual basis? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you know, one of the one of, I heard it again yesterday. Somebody saying that what we call the say do gap. So, so, so a lot of people will say in in particularly consumer research. And I mean, every every retail business is is you know underpinned by by consumer research. And it's sometimes it's about navigating your way through what consumers say and what they actually mean and, and and how they understand what you're trying to ask them and then getting around things like consumers giving you the answer they think you want to hear so a lot of what we do is 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 trying to really get to the nub of what what consumers want on 
understanding what they want, but also trying to influence them to do the right thing in, in terms of sustainability in, in particular. But certainly consumers, I, I often go back to when I when I first started getting involved in sustainability, there was the whole thing around um, fair trade. Would you would you pay, you know, you'd ask a consumer, would you pay an extra couple of cent? Well, you start off by saying, you know, do you think that you know farmers in developing countries should get um uh, fair price for their produce. Yes, of course I should. And, you know, do you think that some of that price should come from the sales price? Yeah. Would you be prepared to pay a little bit more? Yes, of course I would. And then you watch how they behave and they'll they'll buy on price. So so consumers have a, a have a notional belief in in, a, in the sense of this is how things should be, but actually I don't want to have to actually make any change. So I think it's it's I think that a lot of work needs to be done around helping consumers to understand that yes sustainability is a big problem but it starts with small change and if you can introduce some small changes in your life um, rather than be ashamed of and having to you know use that say do gap that you actually make small changes and then small changes lead to more small changes and bigger changes. There's clearly that individual responsibility and the education piece which you touched on earlier, which again I think UCC is you know rolling out the idea of sustainability modules for for that all graduates. So I suppose that, that they're potentially real positives, and I guess the idea that it can't be a a quick fix. In terms of that, uh, say do deficit, Ivan, is that also an issue though for business? Absolutely, I think um, I think there's definitely recognition among business of the need to move quick quickly and effectively. And I mentioned earlier, I think. A lot of businesses can be overwhelmed and absolutely agree with John on the point of um, the safety deficit among con- consumers. And we, we absolutely see that as being apparent too. Um, I suppose what we have seen among business, um, last year in 2019, Ornua, we joined Business and Community Ireland, um, which is a sustainability and CSR membership organisation. And that brings together many indigenous and large multinational corporations that are located in Ireland. And really the aim there is to share best practice, share idea, ad- ideas and collaborate wherever we possibly can. And through that membership, we've really seen the doing in practice. Um, So good example, last year ourselves along with 53 other companies, we signed a low carbon pledge. So this was a committal to reducing our scope one and scope two emissions intensity by 50% by by 2030. So I think moves like that are really, really positive um, because as a collective Irish business landscape, we're really pinning our colours to the mast. And that means that then we do have to follow through. We have to identify the pro- the projects that will really make this happen. So we're moving from the saying now really, really into the doing. Um, but I suppose just, just to re-emphasize as well, primarily through our Kerrygold brand, we've definitely seen escalating pressure from, from consumers demanding that full transparency from, from their food producers. They want authenticity. They want honesty. And uh, I think therefore businesses we don't have a choice. We, we have to change our attitude. We can't just say anymore. We do need to do and we have to follow through to, to build that trust. So I think if we were probably having this conversation again in, in, in five or so years time, we'd definitely be talking in very real terms about some of the positive strides that we're making um, um, among Irish agri-food, agri-food businesses. So, uh, so yeah, I definitely think we're moving from that saying into doing 
because a few years ago we were probably overwhelmed at the tasks that we have been faced with but, but now through a lot of collaboration we see in the industry we're, we're, mo- we're really moving into the, the tangible action projects as such. And is that part of it because you know to think of what are the key blockages I guess that, that, that still exist or and how do we overcome some of these? I think there's maybe a little bit of a knowledge gap there in terms of where can we really affect meaningful change so um, certainly for our business we see uh, on the packaging issue for example John mentioned the Attenborough effect so we see consumers who say, you know, we don't want plastic anymore. Um, you know, we've we've cheese products and, and cheese, cheese brand in the UK. And they're saying, you know, is, is there any alternative? Can you use something else? And we kind of say to them, well, you know, if, if, we're, if we're to change from plastic or try to find another solution, you know, that could impact on product quality. And then you could end up having huge amounts of food waste. So now we're into another issue that's actually more substantial. So I think the challenge for business is really saying, where can we affect the meaningful change and not just make nominal or token gestures, let's say, when it comes to packaging to appease a consumer who, like we said, might actually not pay that premium in the end. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real challenge. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm absolutely with you on the packaging one. I mean, it, you know, if you look back to, you can almost mark the date in your diary and say that was the day that Blue Planet was broadcast because from that day on, it just, you know... It, it, Complaints flooded in, phone calls, emails, letters, you name it. Everything from pensioners right down to children in primary school. Um, and, and the reality is, I think, that consumer packaging is such a simple, it appears such a simple thing, and people are very familiar with it. Um, and therefore, they, 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 there's a certain sort of understanding that, that people have around packaging that, isn't, that doesn't actually, you know, isn't, isn't the reality that, you know, no one's putting packaging on stuff for, purely for the sake of it. I mean, we think back to when food used to have to have lots of additives in it. Now we have things like modified atmosphere packaging that protects and prolongs the shelf life of a product and avoids food waste, which is ultimately a, a far greater problem than, than is the, the, the environmental impact of, of packaging. Packaging, if it's used and, and, you know, produced properly, used properly and, and recycled, you know, there, it, it isn't an environmental burden. We get pushed by consumers into things like um, you know, biodegradable or compostable packaging, and and there are no silver bullets either. So so it's it, it's 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 always about finding what's the most appropriate package that you can that you can put your product in, that you don't end up with product going off because hey you know we've had the success we've produced this really great package, but unfortunately shelf life has halved and food waste has increased. So it you know consumers are still not fully aware of, of uh, what steps they can take as well to reduce the amount of packaging. So bringing their own containers to store or, you know, buying in bulk and you know, all of the actions that they can take. But yeah, packaging is, is, is massive and growing and mm. growing and growing. And I guess that brings that idea of, um, you know, the knowledge piece that you mentioned in the context of it, we're learning as we go and things that maybe once were felt that's very good. We learned, well, actually it's, maybe less good I suppose this comes back to the importance of our of research and academic research are we seeing more research in these domains taking place and even obviously the the programs and, and freshening programs up all the time I presume there's a there's a strong evolution in this area yeah I think by discussing the issues and, and bringing people together who are interested and then exposing students to practice on the ground that's all kind of creating very fertile kind of ground for people to think about new ideas and to I suppose think outside the box and it's really only by maybe taking that step back from kind of everything that's happening and looking at it maybe through a different lens that we can kind of come up with new ideas and create kind of I suppose new ways to tackle many of these issues Uh, but really I suppose in many cases it's for every individual 
it's every one of us sitting around this table and everyone listening to this podcast today, we can all make very small changes in our day to day living. Coffee cups, for example, you know, um, bottles of water. There's so many ways that just very small ways that we can all make individual changes. Um, and I think we're becoming much more conscious of that. And I think, you know, my children coming home from school will be pointing things out to me, you know, that that education piece is starting at a very early age now. And it's great to see that kind of working its way up into third level. And for all of us, it's it's a lifelong learning, I think. Okay. So I, maybe to finish, I might go to all of you in terms of we're here in a, a new decade and if we were to think of what would um, you like to see our new achieve in this area of sustainability by the end of this decade? Sure. Um, I suppose we, we've we previously set targets out to 2021 and 2021 it's come around very, very quickly. So the new decade isn't in fact that, that far away. So if we look out to 2030, um, we've been working quite intensively over the last few months to really focus our efforts in some of the key areas that we believe will be meaningful and will really deliver some significant results. So big focus for us at our new actually at the moment is the setting of science-based targets, which are really quickly becoming the kind of acceptable and official language when it comes to uh, emissions targets. So what these targets are going to do, they're going to allow us to set um, some, some interim milestones out to 2030, and we'll be setting those across our entire supply chain. We haven't set them just yet, but we're working through the process. But we hope that we we should be setting in and around a significant kind of 30% absolute reduction in our emissions across our, our supply chain. Um, you know, we'd really love to be in a position at the end of the decade to say, well, you know, we've left no trace or at least we've left only a positive impact in the communities in, in which we've operated. Um, maybe just to kind of give a bit of an innovative or a blue sky example out to the end of the decade, um, we're working currently um, with Chagask, which is Ireland's agricultural uh, research and advisory body. So as a dairy company, the majority of our supply chain emissions are coming from the farm gate. So they're coming from the cow that is that is producing methane. Um, but we've invested with Chagask and we're working with them right now on an enzyme inhibitor, which essentially when you add this to a cow's diet, it could reduce the methane production by up to 30%. So we're rolling along. We're trying to make changes to our supply chain. We're trying to really focus on operational efficiencies that we can gain. But we're also looking at these new technologies that could be real breakthroughs. And, you know, something like this in the next few years would be a, a huge game changer for the industry and could hopefully see us operating as, as close to carbon net zero um, as we can be and hopefully sooner than we think. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of ambition in the next decade. But I think real innovative, collaborative blue sky thinking has has a part to play. The same question to, to yeah, you, Jeff. Um, Look, it's going to be a really busy decade, you know. Um, it is just the amount of stuff that's coming across uh, the agenda is is enormous. But we're we're focused on four main areas. So we're talking about decarbonisation, packaging, sustainable communities, because we're in every community in, in Ireland. And it's communities in Ireland, but also communities overseas that produce for us. And then looking at how we source. And, and, and as Yvonne said, we're, you know... We're, we're de we've declared a um, an ambition to be net zero carbon by 2050. We don't yet know what that means. There are technologies yet to be developed that will take us in that direction. But we're, we, we have a clear pathway out to 2030 as far as science-based targets, again, exactly like Yvonne. We're part of the same business in the community, uh, low carbon group. Um, so working there, collaborating, because a lot of, lot of the, the bigger sustainability challenges now need collaboration. One business alone can't can't achieve these things so there's there's a lot that we can learn from other businesses and and perhaps that we can share with with, with, with with smaller businesses but we're looking at transport we're a business that 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 depends heavily on transport so it's about decarbonizing our our supply chain our value chain and and looking actually at introducing 
a carbon case for capex spend so when we when we when we invest money we're going to start with a million so when when projects exceed a million euro you will need to have not only a business case but you will also need to have a carbon case for where where it's appropriate obviously uh, and we're getting into scope 3 emissions in, in in much greater depth so so things like you know our our um our, our business air travel, um, supplier mileage, all of these kinds of things. So a, a huge range of things. And, and, and not to forget our ambition well in advance of 2030, which is the, the 2025 um, packaging ambition, which is you know, making sure that 100% of our packaging is reusable, recyclable or, or, or compostable. Again, sounds easy, but, but a massive challenge. So there's, there's a huge number of things on the agenda. Um, we probably need another half hour to talk about them but certainly yeah very 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 busy agenda perfect and olive well i would say our students are dying to get stuck in um they're really you know they really want to make an impact um they're actively um seeking placements at the moment um as part of their program and they want to put the knowledge that they have into practice so they're they're very eager to get involved and, and make a difference and i suppose right throughout their career so they're coming at you Perfect. So thanks, John, Ivan, Olive, for coming in and talking to me today. Thank you. Thank you. And that's all we have time for on this episode of Insights, the Cubs UCC podcast. And my thanks to Olive McCarthy, Director of the Centre for Cooperative Studies at Cubs, Ivan Cooney, Head of Sustainability at Arnua, and John Curran, Head of Sustainability for Musgraves, for joining me on the show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And join me next time for new ideas, research and perspectives in Ireland and the world from us here at Cubs UCC. Thanks for listening.